everyone. I'm Ron Stefanski, and I'm joined today by my co-host and compatriot, Dr. Caesar Mickens, for another episode of Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the determined and dedicated who are making a difference and disrupting the world of learning and work as we know it. You're going to be in for a real treat today. We have two very special and very dynamic guests with us. We're joined today by the mayor of Dayton, Ohio, Mr. Jeff Mims, and his education advisor and school leader, Dr. David Lawrence. So, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Yep, welcome, welcome, welcome. I should also say, Ryan, we have to congratulate both of them, actually. So the mayor had an election, and it was his birthday, so happy birthday. (laughs) And David... You know, just received well, several months now, right? His PhD. I was, you know, mm-hmm. Dave and I are really good friends. So I was with that whole journey <laughs> that he took. So congratulations to both of you. Really tremendous accomplishment. It just shows, Ron, that they've been disruptors all their lives. And are still <laughs> disrupting, right? Well, you know, and I think, I think that's what our listeners and viewers are going to see today is that we're talking to some very unique individuals. And let me start with the mayor. You know, the mayor has been an educational leader, coach, teacher, administrator, head of the Dayton Education Association. He has a 40-year career in education where he was a pioneer in establishing equitable funding for public schools across Ohio as well as in Dayton. And then he turned his attention to city affairs. And so today we're going to talk to him about an extraordinary concept that he's pushing forward on his platform as mayor, and that is to create in Dayton, Ohio, a city of learners. And as one of his key education advisors, we also have the impressive Dr. David Lawrence here as well. And David turned away from a career in the corporate sector to start out in schools and to put his passion to use. And, you know, when we talk to disruptors, They have these things in common. They're do-gooders, they're dedicated, they're determined, they're passionate, they're purposeful, but they also have, as Caesar and I have come to discover, the GSD index for them is very high. And that's getting getting shit done. That's that's what you guys do, right? They get a lot of shit done. done. That's right. So I just think I want to start out, uh, Mayor, by talking a little bit about how your extraordinary legacy as an educator uh, informed your decision to run for office this past year and how you think it's going to inform and has begun to inform uh, your work in the city of Dayton, Ohio. You know, uh, going, going way back, you know, I, I think I owe it to the educational profession to do the best I can uh, to assist those who are teachers and principals because I gave them hell when I was a student. Um, <laughs> it was not something that was planned. Um, I think I got, I got straightened out a bit after, after high school when I went to the military in, in Vietnam for, for a year, uh, and then coming out and working um, as a janitor, actually, for, for about six, uh, six or so weeks, and then moving up the line and deciding to go to college uh, to... Uh, actually come back and take over that department because I was denied an apprenticeship program. First being told I was underqualified and then five weeks later told I was overqualified. 
So I said, okay, yeah, I got this. Picture. Oh, wow, that's deep. Okay, so I know what's up. So I started to go to college and major in graphics and photo, uh, photo photography and uh, industrial technology, and then got caught up into education, uh, working as a teacher's aide and going to school in the evening in a program that was uh, part of President Lyndon Johnson's uh, War on Poverty uh, program called the Career Opportunity Program, and where they were pushing um, veterans, African-American veterans, into the school system as a teacher's aide, and then after we went through that process to make us qualify for teachers. And so I wind up actually being qualified and hired to design cars at General Motors, but because it was 25 degrees below zero in Michigan at that time, <laughs> I decided I would stay I'm in Dayton. I'm here now, by the way. Okay, all right. So I, I stayed in Dayton uh, at the request of the school system to teach uh, kindergarten through eighth grade in art, and uh, I messed around and got hooked. And then got hooked on education, then got hooked with the teachers' union, trying to improve the quality of life for teachers and create better conditions for them to be effective. And um, ascended while teaching as a treasurer for the teachers' union, then vice president, and then later president of the uh, teachers' union as well. And then moving people together around the issues that benefit children. And, and, and actually creating the conditions to the best of my ability that I wanted for my kids, because my kids graduate from the uh, Dayton school system as well. So I was really blessed to be able to move in, uh, in that direction. Uh, moving the school district, uh, receiving an award from the National Education Association for creating um, a strong, positive relationship between the school board, the superintendent, the administrators, and the community. Uh, so uh, we did in 1986 receive a uh, human relations award from the National Education Association because of that. And then subsequently, uh, getting the largest salary increase for teachers uh, still on record and passing the largest uh, tax levy for um, improving teacher salaries, which is still on record here in the state of Ohio. So all those things came about, though, because of working collaboratively with all sides of the, of the spectrum if you will, that had an interest in making good things happen for kids. Uh, later, I moved to becoming a lobbyist for the Higher Education Association and the NEA, and uh, then back to run uh, programs for at-risk youth and working with uh, community and collaborative groups, uh, social service agencies to move uh, programming, including uh, the, the business group, to support preschool, not preschool kids, but middle school kids, to make sure that in their last chance, they thought from youthhood to adulthood, to be better prepared to, to move into the world of school and the world of work. I later became the lobbyist for the school system where I retired for the last, uh, after the last 25 years. Uh, and in that work, uh, I think you mentioned uh, the fact that we uh, uh, sued the state of Ohio for unconstitutional funding and uh, have four Supreme Court rulings in our favor. Uh, the state still hasn't fixed it yet. They still have not fixed it, but they tinkered around, made it better in some cases, worse than others. Um, what were then, they supposed to fix, Mayor, in terms of just to understand well, actually, what the there, suit is there were, about? There were, yeah, there were four points. Uh, one, that uh, using property tax as a primary method for funding education was uh, found to be unconstitutional because rich school districts generated more money for millage than poor school districts. Uh, secondly, 
the school funding formula did not uh, distribute money equitably to all the young people that we have um, in, in our school systems in Ohio. And then third, there was a school loan fund. The school districts who needed money could borrow money from that loan fund, but they had to pay it back in the next biennium plus 9% interest. Um, and the court said that was unconstitutional as well. The, the last point and the only point that they really did anything with was that Ohio had the worst school facilities in the nation besides Washington, D.C. And uh, we were successful in getting uh, some money from that piece to sort of serve as a match if the local school district passed a matching bond levy that the state using a formula based upon your wealth would put in a certain amount of money and you could build all new schools that we had here in Ohio. So that process uh, was one where I was the chief lobbyist for making that happen here in, in Ohio. And you guys have some of the nicest schools. David has taken me to, I think, all of them. <laughs> okay. okay. So you guys uh, have, have some pristine schools and there's some other challenges that we can deal with. But you guys said, Mayor, you know what, man? You need to, somebody, you or somebody needs to write about your life. I mean, it's extraordinary. See, I didn't know the other parts that you were an aide, that you were a janitor. I'm telling you, man, and I'm very serious about this, that yeah. our young people should know that no matter where you are, you can always go forward, right? I mean, I just think that's so dynamic. It's such a great story from a national level, not just from a Dayton, Ohio level. Well, I think Caesar, I think it's, I think it's really important that, you know, our school leaders more and more uh, serve as inspiration for the, you know, so that we're raising everyone's kids together. That it's not whether or not you have school age children, it's still extremely important for people uh, to make sure the kids are raised with strong role models. And I think that's a testament yeah. to your work. Now Mary. I can see, now I can see where the concept around city of learners emanated, you know, because, I mean, because you just kind of outlined, you know, a lot of that. So David, so the mayor, the reason I know about the, 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 uh, some of your history and, uh, that what we're going to end up talking about, you know, some in this show and the next in the city of learners that I think is probably the most unique piece I've ever seen is that David introduced me to this. So I came to Dayton to work with David on a couple of projects with alternative education, believe it or not. When you said something about alternative, you know, my ears lit up, you know, and, and so David brought me around. So David, could you just share with us just a little bit about, you know, kind of what you've been doing in Dayton and kind of where you are now? Yeah, yeah, sure. No problem at all, Dr. Makins. I think this is a really, really poignant, a really good way for me to say that um, Mayor Mims is not Mayor Mims to me. He's like a father slash brother. And our journey is really um, is integrated in that he's been a supporter of what we tried to do since I've been here. And I say we, it's me, myself and a bunch of other guys and women like me who are, who are as you say, the uh, GSD index is real high. Yeah, right. getting shit done. Yeah. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The <laughs> index. yeah, yeah. And, and, and so what he does is he's kind of cultivated and motivated um, GSD people and provided an umbrella for them. And so what I mean by that is uh, I started teaching about 27 years ago, and some of my colleagues started about that time, too. Uh, Sharon Goins was one of them. Uh, actually, Sharon Goins was one of his teachers. She 
Oh, and, wow. And, 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 yeah, she was one of his students when he was a teacher. Right, and so right. He, so, so he goes back way back with kids. Those kids then become educators. So what he does is he gets out of the field, gets on the ground, takes a look at what they're doing. and says, hey, these are GS, GSD people. And I want to put spaces in place so that they're in charge so the GSD people can be in charge so they can make movements for kids. And so that's kind of how our journey started. I <clears throat> came from business and was teaching for about eight or nine years. Um, he, at the time, was at Central Office where they had this program where you could spend um, a third of your, so Wright State University, a local university, would spend a third of their dollars. Dayton Public Schools put up a third of their dollars, and then you would have to pay a third. And they built these cohorts of leaders. Uh, there were three of them that said, hey, we're going to go on. To, these are going to go on to become future leaders. Well, you know, with his blessing and others, they made sure that I was in the program. We successfully completed it. I earned my uh, uh, principal's license. And then he, uh, along with Dr. Mack, who was the superintendent at the time, they had enough foresight because he was always involved, hands on, to say, hey, send this guy to a space that's really good. And they sent me to Stiver School for, for the Arts, which at the time was the highest performing school in the region. Um, and in fact, um, it, at the time, I'm not sure now, but it was in the top 100 art schools in the country. And so I went there. I went there and got a really great um, uh, background in like how to how to run schools and what great schools could look like and what engaged kids could look like. And then after that, uh, the mayor was instrumental uh, at the time. He's a school board president, but instrumental. And then. Uh, giving me an opportunity at Thurgood Marshall High School with about 700 kids. And it had been a tough journey there. He says, hey, if anybody can turn this around, um, it's this guy right here. He's got a high GSD, GSD index, and he's going to get it done over there. <laughs> That's right. Caesar, yeah, you get some good talent, man. Caesar, let, let me add to you uh, also the, the one young lady that he spoke about um, who's now an administrator in the Dayton school system. Uh, she was a teacher, a very highly effective teacher, and the one that was again that was one of my former students. And so I get a call in my office uh, one day. Um, she said the superintendent had asked her to call me because he was struggling with someone who was supervising principals. It seemed like he was sort of afraid of her. But anyway, um, <laughs> so he asked um, uh, this uh, uh, teacher to call me. And so I, this phone call uh, came to me, and she said, um, Jeff. Um, me and David and Judy, Judy was another uh, uh, teacher. She said, me and David and Judy want to go over to the third good Marshall and make good things happen for kids. Now, that was the request that came from them. So, I mean, and so it's like, okay, fine. You, you, you got me. So uh, she said, yeah, superintendent told me to call you and ask you, you know, could you help make that happen? So, hey, that's a no-brainer. And when you have people who call you with the concept and the thought of wanting to make good things happen for kids, and you know their history because that's what they have been doing all their life. But they want to come together as a team and make that happen. So, of course, they have my blessings. And, and, and when they went there, all of the negative things turned to good things and all the good things turned to great things. Uh, athletics, uh, academics, uh, behavior of students, you, know, you name it. Uh, the other thing that was very unique is that all of the other high school principals, began to rally around David. Uh, so here it is. He's a first-time principal, but all the other principals in the high schools rallied around him because of his energy, his knowledge about education, 
and the fact that he was an A-type, Michael Jordan-type personality. So I just want to say, you guys had a clear understanding of that. Well, you know, the energy you're talking about, I think, is so vital. And what I also think is really interesting is, you know, Mayor, you have had 40 years in this in, in the school system in some way, shape, or form. And now you have this young leader in David that you are mentoring throughout the process. And the reason why I mentioned that, and I think it's interesting uh, for our viewers to hear a little bit more about, is David's in a world now that's way more disrupted than it has ever been right. in the K-12 right. system. Right. Because it's right. informed by technology. It's informed by... Uh, the fact that uh, worker requirements are different and we have to step it up to get our kids and our students prepared for the 5G wired, globally interconnected and interdependent world of work. And so a lot of that has really turbocharged the GSD aspect of all this. And so it's a great, you know, what's cool listening to you guys is the energy between you that's generational, where you have the depth of experience. <laughs> right, and you that's exactly right. And, and, you know, Ron, and, and you know, Ron, the other thing, when, when David, David brought me there quite a few times, but I went to a principal's meeting, you know, with David one time, and you just couldn't believe the respect that they shared. And, and David didn't get a big head about it, but they had so much respect for him. You know, the, the even uh, the superintendent at that time had to walk on eggshells, right? <laughs> because, and, and, because his whole philosophy, and now I see where, you know, why the mayor selected you, because your whole philosophy was to get shit done. You know, and there's too many of our educators are out there just for status, especially when they get to central office, they, they their damn head blows up, you know, and they think they reached the status symbol, right? While our kids are suffering, you know, and that's why I think having the mayor there, you know, being mayor and, and David being reintegrated into the Dayton uh, educational framework is going to be so positive for our children. And now you guys got me reinvigorated to help look for opportunities <laughs> to help support you, like with grants. Yeah. David, I was telling the mayor that, you know, we need to talk about this grant that I shared with you because you need the supports too, right? while you're going through these phases. So I can, I truly congratulate you guys. Yeah. You know, here's a big problem in terms of education. Education, unfortunately, the last probably, uh, the last 30 years, especially, um, has been redefined as being test scores. And, and, and that process by itself has this most negative and adverse effect on poor, poor and African-American children. When you, when you move children away from what they enjoy uh, in terms of school or what they enjoy in terms of life, uh, it creates a, a, um, a resistance, if you will, uh, uh, anger towards the core of education that well, some people call core, and those things are being tested. You're reading, writing, math, and science. The, the real core of education is the core of life. The core of life meaning that do things with young people that make them want to come to your location every day on their own with excitement. And then you have a variety of educational programming that gives them what they call, in, in many cases, the four A's. Attendance, bring your ass to school on time with the, with the right attitude, uh, get involved in activities, which is the third one. 
And then that produces the fourth thing called achievement. And then the world of work is called productivity. And when you have those young people like quality programs in the music, the arts, the athletics, when young people come to school every day on time with the right attitude, knowing how to identify and resolve conflict at its lowest level, learning how to lead, how to follow, when to lead, when to follow, how to win, how to lose, how to, uh, like I said, identify and resolve conflict at its lowest level. Those are the people that are successful in life, no matter which direction you go. So whether you go to college or whether you go to the military, whether you go to the technical school or any combination thereof, that's the responsibility of education. It's not the responsibility of education to see who can get the best test scores. That's black <laughs> bullshit. And yeah, I, I, totally, totally, you know, I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree with you. One of the things that David used to bring me, he took me on every inch of, of Dayton. And one thing I saw, and I talked to him about this a lot, is I see the rejuvenation of downtown, you know, with new apartments and all this kind of stuff happening. What I don't see and why I think the city of learners is really crucial to the aspect. I don't see enough of our young people from the neighborhood being a part of that building process. And that's not untrue for it. what's happening in Detroit. So, but here you have an opportunity with the city of learners that we're going to talk much more about in our next episode. But here you have an opportunity to change that whole mindset. Because some children, I was in one school district in Rockford, Illinois, they never thought they could go across town. You know, well, that's, you know, other people live over there. We don't, we don't go, we don't cross those boundaries. And what you just talked about was a key to developing our children so that they can cover any space, but we have to make them feel comfortable too. That's the other part, educators, right? You know, so it, it's just a tremendous opportunity. So, David, I want to I want to talk about this city of learners because it sits on the foundation of a school system that you're in the process of making number one more equitable, and then much more progressive and expansive in terms of the way you're engaging students, the way you're using technology in the classroom, the way you're fortifying the experiences for students and making them relevant to the kinds of jobs and the kinds of lives that they want to create for themselves. So maybe you can talk a little bit about those kinds of things that your GSD is pretty high on within the Dayton Public Schools in terms of flipping the switch and bringing that kind of reform and innovation into the classroom. Well, I, you know, the City of Learners rests on five kind of core principles that every child must attend a high quality K-12 school. Uh, the other is that every child have expanded access to preschool for all children, uh, that we grow our partnerships with businesses, uh, recruit mentors for young people, um, and increase the number of high-quality summer and after-school programs. And just to go backwards on that, uh, you know, you talked about, you know, this is an organic setting. You don't always know what you're going to say or how it's going to work out here. But you talked about this generational mentoring for between the mayor and myself. And so we're like a model of what this should look like as it, as it relates to recruiting. That's kind of where I was going with that. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're, we're like a model because he's been more, more or less a mentor to me for 27 years. And I call him and say, hey, have you thought about it? You have institutionalized. What is this like from a state level? Well, what's the history around this? What are the politics involved in this? How should we proceed and go forward? And so that that model, it could be used to be replicated to say to young people that this is a longitudinal process, not one year, not two, not five, not 10, but 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 decades. This is a model of how you create 
mentoring so that you can be successful and create a GSD people. And we need more of those. And Bill Dayton at the same time, because I was reading some article that said the first thing that people want to do is get out of town, right? Get out of their community. But what you guys are setting up a model so that they can help build the community because the higher their salary and income level and all of that goes back into the community, cars, taxes, and so on, you know? And that's why that city of learner concept is so important, you know? And I can't express enough how, how much I think it's important. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, point. I was going to say the mayor's really accomplished two things that form the backdrop of what he's doing next. And that is creating more equitable funding and providing teachers with more money and providing um, a, re a refurbished or revitalized infrastructure. You know, you look at our big cities across the country. I look at our hometown of Detroit. We have over $500 million dollars were the infrastructure problems in our decaying public schools. We have students that, you know, we had water on the floors, we have lead in the pipes, and these are disproportionately affecting students of color and because of where they're located. And and so so in 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 some zip code becomes a predeterminant in the quality of the education. So you know, Mayor, maybe you can point us in the direction of what you're doing to influence that equity now that you have those two really solid planks, better prepared, better uh, uh, compensated teachers who are really going to be inspired to stay persistent in their pursuit of education. And you have an infrastructure that's going to support that. Well, well clearly, uh, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, in fact, we talked about the... Um, uh, uh, one of my goals, I got so many, but they're all connected. You know, they're clearly connected. When you talk about how we improve the quality of life in, in our community, uh, those communities that are enjoying high quality of life, they have three major pillars. Uh, one, of course, is high quality education. Two, of course, is safety. Uh, so we are involved in a very strong police reform effort that we started um, about uh, about 12 months ago. And in terms of revitalizing our police, we hired a new police chief. Uh, we have um, a uh, uh, body cameras that we uh, made a recommendation for with our police. Uh, we're doing a, a Know Your Rights form throughout the entire community. We have several of those where anyone can go to those and they're uh, hosted by police and uh, community leaders to talk about what your rights are when you're confronted with a police person. We also are working with uh, training our police on ADA requirements, which has not been done before. Additionally, we have a priority in turning, uh, training our police on how to de-escalate a situation when you come in contact with a citizen. So those kind of things have been happening since, you know, the last, uh, the last, uh, like I said, um, nine, 10, 12 months in the city of Dayton. The other thing that uh, is a key issue is recreation. So we're in the process again of looking again with how we can improve the quality of recreation here in our city, uh, trying to develop a partnership with the school system and uh, their athletic department as well as our recreation department. Now, there are other things, of course, and we have benefited by seeing that we've had an increase in our medium income uh, from you know, uh, $28,000 now to $34,000. And that's that's happened since I've been on commission over the last eight years. Uh, also with the city of Learner. Do you, uh, but, but for a second, Mayor, do you attribute 
impart that to some of the initiatives that you've implemented over a period of time? Well, yes, because we've done a lot of this in partnership with our business community as well, uh, because the additional dollars that have come into the city of Dayton, the partnerships that we have with the downtown, uh, downtown business partnership, the Dayton Development Coalition, the Chamber of Commerce uh, program called SID, which is a special improvement district, where we have business leaders who contributed a certain amount of money to help keep the city clean and also have recreational type functions and activities that we have downtown. Uh, we revitalized the arcade, which had been dormant for 30 years. And so that has created a lot of great activity within that space, and there's still more to come. And I don't know if you know about the, the Levitt Center. They're, they're, uh, we have one of 15 in, this, in, this, um, in the nation where there's a free recreational or um, musical venue that musicians from all over come in and play, and it's free to the entire community. So we oh, well, I've never been there. David, yeah. you got to take me there. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I will. So it's, it's right in the middle of downtown Dayton, and all types of musicians come in. So Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night, during the, the warm weather uh, days, we have free music in the center of downtown Dayton. Well, I'll be there. Trust and, me. <laughs> no, and no problems. But but the reason why I was saying these things have happened, plus uh, 16% more of our preschool kids are coming to kindergarten on point and ready to learn. Because what we had was two-thirds of the children in Montgomery County uh, were coming to school two and three years behind in their developmental skills. And that 80% of them were coming to Dayton Public Schools. So it's a community responsibility to prepare our young kids before they get to school. Because you know, like I know, even though they're coming in behind, five minutes after they're in the classroom, they're blaming the teachers and the principal right, and, right. And, and whatnot because the kids are behind. That's a really important point you're making is that, you know, we know there are a lot of challenges in the schools. But what we have to start doing, and I think it's great to have people on the show to talk about this, is we have to stop blaming teachers for the problem. And we have to collectively say, you know what, we got in this together. And if we want to make schools equitable, if we want to make schools robust, if we want to ensure that every child has a high quality education, it's far more than our teachers uh, challenge uh, to get that done. It requires a lot of different people. So Gentlemen, as we wrap, I'd like you to just leave us with your parting thoughts. We'd like to have you in our next episode talk more about the future-facing vision of a city of learners. But just in conclusion, I'd like to hear from the two of you both um, your, your parting words about what you think the biggest uh, impact has been in your work together as mentor-protege, as partner-patriots, <laughs> You know, because I think it's clear to us, and I'm sure it's clear to our viewers, uh, that there, that this energy between the two of you has made some really, really big impact in the city of Dayton. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll, I'll so defer David, to why don't you go first? I'll defer to and let him go first. Uh, since I just got off my soapbox. <laughs> no worries, no worries. I think the biggest impact is showing in, showing other cities and other regions that there's a dialectic approach to transforming the area as it relates to the city and as, as it relates to schools, that all the pieces matter. 
So there's no such thing as <clears throat> the business community. There's no such thing as just the academic community. There's no such thing as just the city itself. There's no such thing as just the school system itself. Commissioner Mims and I have been involved in voter registration for 17 year olds. We've been involved in putting together extended programs for athletics. <clears throat> We've been involved in putting building new schools in terms of new school construction. And once you're there, new school programming like STEM schools, uh, early, early college schools, which is how we met Caesar in conjunction with other universities around there. And so with the conversations that he and I have, they're integrated so seamlessly between what the community does and needs and what the community does and needs. If you notice, I use those two words uh, together to, to talk about what we both do. They're not separate. And so I would almost think that if you want to talk about disrupting things, you might even want to disrupt the titles that you talk about, you know, the, 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 the mayor, right? And, and uh, you know, if, you, if you're talking about the region of Dayton, uh, this, there's this there's a superintendent of, of the region uh, from the Montgomery County ESC that kind of presides over all the education communities. Maybe the term superintendent and mayor, maybe uh, maybe Mayor Mims and I disrupt that and change those titles by the work we do, but by the way it's, it's integrated together. Seamlessly. Integrated, right. I totally agree. Mayor, your so thoughts? Yes. You know, um, again, um, School systems and the the city government are are linked. They're joined at the hip, whether they want to be or not. Uh, you don't see a great school system in a poor community, or vice versa. Okay, those things work uh, hand in hand together. And I think the other thing that we have to do is help make sure we clarify um, our roles, our responsibilities, and clarify how we got to this point, so that when you're moving you're not duplicating the same mistakes that, that got you where you are. Uh, our community has gone through a myriad of challenges that were just put on us. Uh, desegregation, you know, uh, unconstitutional underfunding, uh, charter schools, more vouchers, all the kinds of things that drain resources and furthermore divide people. Uh, when you have multiple, multiple systems, you know, charter schools, private schools, public schools, and you have leaders who are rooting for their systems to be better than yours, what they actually are doing is rooting for the failure of the kids in the other system. Right. That's exactly right. It makes virtually no sense whatsoever. When we find ourselves in a position, and I ask people all the time, you know, what are you, who are you developing curriculum for? You know, what do you want to have happen for all the kids that are in your space? And I say, even when I was on the state school board, the reason why I was there was the same reason I was where I was before then, the same reason in terms of where I am right now. I want to create the same kind of conditions for every child that we have in, our, in Ohio that my kids have. My kids had a great education in, in Dayton Public Schools, and I, I value that by the fact, or identify it by the fact that they both make more money than me. And the fact <laughs> that they're doing, they're doing great things in terms of creating conditions. My daughter's a principal in the Dayton school system. My son has worked on Wall Street and has a couple of other businesses that he owns uh, right now, and he lives in the Connecticut and does great things with his kids. But the point that I'm making, I know the track that they went through, just like the same track that David went through, just like the same track that successful individuals have gone through. And when you look at the data from Phi Delta Kappa, from the Brookings Institute, you know, uh, all over the place that you see, there is a pattern for successful young people. 
And it's the same pattern for successful old people. And when you look at those things and make those things happen, there's no doubt about what works because it's been proven over and over again. Before we close out, I, I just want to thank you and David uh, for welcoming me, you know, because the first thing that David said, you have to meet Jeffrey, you know, <laughs> and you just, you know, you open your arms as soon as I walked into your office and then we went to lunch and stuff. But I just want to thank you guys because I think, you know, that's why I love coming there so much is because it's so welcoming and with the hard job that you have going forward. So we, I really thank you for, you know, your hospitality, for sure. Well, gentlemen, I think for the benefit of our listeners and our viewers, I think the extraordinary connection between all of you in, in setting forth a blueprint for the kind of conditions that create success for your community, I mean, I just think that's a spectacular formula. And so we're going to close out today uh, with an invitation for you guys to pick this conversation up and talk about those conditions for success in establishing a city of learners uh, in our next episode. For, but for yeah, now, and especially and especially hitting on the religious community, because one thing David did with me as well was take me around to some of the religious leaders in Dayton. And I just had a ph phenomenal experience with them. So, yeah, if we could hit on that in the next show, too, that would be great. Well, let me leave you this last, this last phrase real quickly, okay? Uh, right now, our children represent 20% of our society in, in our community right here, but they represent 100% of our future. So when we keep that in mind, we understand what our responsibilities are and who those responsibilities are for. I'm going I'm to I'm uh, copy that quote. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't you know, mind. That's, that's a great way to end this conversation and yeah. pick it up in the next one. So thank you both for joining Dr. Thank Caesar you. and thank myself. You. This thank has been you. an episode of City of Learners with Mayor Jeffrey Mims and his ed education advisor, Dr. David Lawrence. Thank you all for joining us on Disrupt Ed. We look forward to having these two gentlemen back to continue the conversation about how to create successful community that's rich and robust and inclusive and has a very, very strong patient system to support it. So thank you Absolutely. for joining us. Thank you guys. Again soon You're more for than another welcome. episode of Disrupt Ed. Thank you all. Yeah. Thanks thank again. You.